0: Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly
1: Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I'm Ken Helanius, sitting in the virtual studios in South Bend, Indiana. And sitting across from me is the man who recorded the original Ricola ad. Ricola! Ricola. Deacon Harold (laughs) Burt sivers How are you, Deacon? I'm doing well, Ken. How about yourself? I am well (laughs) myself, thank you. (laughs) Very uh, good. (laughs) Here we are midway through the month of November. Cold and flu season is on us, so you know. I know everybody's out there buying their uh, buying their lozenges and what have you, and that's what that's what's on the brain for me. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> uh.
0: Well, I'm trying. I'm trying in the midst of my travels not to get sick.
1: No, that's good. That's good. Do you have any uh, tips and and tricks? What What do you do? Because you're on the road like like 112. Uh, percent of the year yeah
0: <laughs> yeah you stay away from people no, no, yeah. talking, no.
1: <laughs>
0: well no yeah you just you know just deal with the hand sanitizer and just uh eating good things and Healthy. uh you know staying staying warm and uh, well,
1: you so. are just, what I love is you take these trips, you're like in the Midwest, you're in the South, oh, maybe I'll take a quick side trip to Montana, then you're back to the East Coast. Uh, you must drive the uh, your your travel agent crazy. Yeah, you know, it's one of those people say,
0: how can we go to like cold places during the winter? It's like first come first serve, you know. It's not
1: like I, that's right. <laughs> no, I'm not going to go
0: to your place because it's uh it's too cold. They're like, no, you
1: know. That's I not believe Saint Paul had something to say about this, didn't he? Preach preach the gospel in season and out. That's right. That's <laughs> there right. There you go. <laughs> so how things go uh, at Notre Dame? There are really good things that are going on uh, on campus uh, that we're very proud of. You know. I don't think we mentioned this before, but we announced the upcoming recipient of the Notre Dame Evangelium Vitae Medal, which is the medal that we uh, award for pro-life heroes, heroes of the pro-life movement. And um, the uh, next awardee uh, who will receive the 2020 Evangelium Vitae Medal in April is Vicki Thorne. Oh, Vicki Thorne. Vicky Thorne yeah, Vicky Thorn of, of uh, Project Rachel. Mm-hmm. Uh, she She founded Project Rachel, which is that, beautiful post abortion healing ministry that uh, has helped so many women and men and families that have been affected by abortion and so we are just really thrilled to uh, to honor her you know the she started project Rachel uh, more than 35 years ago and it's it's really impossible to tell how many people have been touched by the mercy of Jesus Christ through that powerful ministry to be able to honor, uh, Vicki Thorne for her, for her ministry and for the, um, powerful healing mercy that, uh, that the ministry of project Rachel and the other works that she's gone on to do. Uh, that's, that's an honor for us as a university to be able to recognize that.
0: Yeah. I got a chance to meet her. Uh, I spoke at a pro-life dinner and she was there and I was just thrilled, uh, to, to, to meet her. And, um, yeah, she really is a a champion and, and a warrior uh, for the pro life cause, and so uh, yeah, kudos to Notre Dame for uh, for recognizing and honoring uh, such a wonderful person who's not afraid to stand up for life.
1: It's a joy to be affiliated with that. You know, that that Notre Dame Evangelium Vitae Medal is uh, administered by uh, the De Nicolas Center for Ethics and Culture where I work and so I get to, you know, get the joy of being able to talk to the honorees as we're, you know, writing the press releases and things like that and, and kind of be part of this joyful celebration and often, you know, our, our recipients, they'll bring their families or they'll bring people that have been touched by their ministry. You know, in previous years we've had uh, the Women's Care Center we honored this past year, which is the largest network of pro-life um, uh, pregnancy resource centers in the United States. Uh, um, and as a matter of fact, that reminds me of another thing that that kind of uh, is going on, and that is that, so the Women's Care Center, which was founded here at Notre Dame, uh, well, in, in the city of South Bend by Janet Smith, Professor Janet Smith, when she was a Notre Dame professor, was um, Women's Care Center provides women with ultrasounds and pregnancy support so that they can have the freedom and the support and the love that they need to be able to choose life. And there's an interesting thing on campus. The Knights of Columbus uh, Council on campus, Council 1477, is the oldest college council uh, of the Knights of Columbus, the the um, kind of the oldest, the first established. It's, it's awesome. They sell on football game weekends, on game day, they sell steak sandwiches. And they're like $7 or 7 or $8. And your steak sandwich, um, they, they take all the proceeds from their steak sandwich sales, and they put them into a fund to give to a charity. And this year, they donated not one, but two... Ultrasound machines to women's care centers uh, with the help of the Knights of Columbus General Council Supreme Council. And so that money that the student knights are raising completely organized on their own, you know, selling the steak sandwiches, grilling them out there on game day and feeding people and talking about. These, the the pro life work that uh, that the women's care center is doing these are awesome opportunities to share the gift of the Catholic faith that is happening right here on campus because the Knights at Columbus are unapologetically catholic and that's a really joyful thing it's a practical pro life ministry and work that they're doing just selling steak sandwiches and who doesn't want to eat a steak sandwich yeah, and, right. and realize that you're you're supporting pro life ministry
0: that's kind of awesome that is awesome you know i can't remember i don't think they were doing that when i was a student there Maybe
1: you were just too busy grilling on your own. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's really neat. Like the line uh, uh, at the steak sales, the line wraps all the way, you know, through the quad to to get yourself a steak sandwich. And I'll, I'll be honest, they're not. We're not talking like, you know usda prime when we say <laughs> steak sandwich but it's a it's a really neat work and i'm really um uh, honored to be i'm honored to be a, a knight of columbus myself and to know that my brother knights are doing this oh beautiful yeah you
0: know and we've been uh, sharing about uh the author of life, <laughs> about God—that's right—and particularly about uh, Jesus Christ. We're talking about Christology the last few weeks here, and, yeah. You know, and we uh, left off talking about—you know—we begin to talk about the fir- the big four councils. Um, you know there were seven uh, ecumenical councils, but the first four considered the big four, right? Nicaea three twenty-five, um, Constantinople three eighty-one, Ephesus four thirty-one, and Chalcedon in four fifty-one. considered the big four. And Then there was um, uh, Nicaea two uh, five fifty-three, uh, Constantinople two. Um, 680, and then 787, uh, Nicaea three, So all all seven of those, but these, these first four, because these are ones that help shape our creed, you know, how that we pray right. uh, every Sunday. So last week we looked at the Council of Nicaea and uh, the heresy of Arius, uh, who taught that Jesus was a, of a different or of another substance or nature than the Father and how Athanasius, uh, St. Athanasius, uh, said no, he is of of the se- homoousios. He's the same substance as the Father, and of course, trans- that word is translated homoousios into uh, Latin as consubstantialis. Hence, we get consubstantial, and there there we have it in the creed. And right. so, but this week we're going to take a look at the um, uh, Council of uh, Constantinople, right? So, um, so we have the because it's often called the Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed. You know, because yeah. it's basically the, both those uh, creeds together that help put forward—not um, all, but but a lot of the statements that that the, the creed that we pray today at mass. This council, the the heresy that was dealt with here, was called Apollinarianism, and of course, uh, uh, Apollinarius was a bishop. And as we said before, a lot of these heresies were promoted by clergy. Uh, You know, some things never change. (laughs) Hey, look at what's (laughs) going on in the church today. Um, uh, So, uh, but he was a bishop of Laodicea. Um, uh, He was against Arian and actually was a friend of Athanasius. You know, was So, see, he was,
1: on the, he was on the side of the angels. Yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> Athanasius didn't have a lot of friends because they, you know, a statement that was uh, popular at the time of uh, Athanasius was uh, Athanasius contra mundi, Athanasius against the world. Yeah. Um, uh, Which is
1: also a chapter title in uh, *Brideshead Revisited*. By the way, uh, he uses the same *contra mundum* against the world, uh, and and you read it and you're like, "Oh, I've heard that." Somewhere you heard it before, before. yeah. And exactly. it turns out it's one of the great heresies, or one of the great one of the great, in this case, one of the great saints of the of the uh, of the church that saved the church. You know, uh, and it's all part of a story of conversion in *Brideshead Revisited*. But mm-hmm. but you know, that's just your uh, your literary input for the day. Yeah, <laughs> no added cost. And yeah, so right.
0: um, just to, to understand where Apollinaris was coming from, think of it like this. Now we, we all share a human nature as human beings, you have a human nature. The human nature is comprised of a body and a soul. Mm-hmm. And the two parts of the soul are intellect and will. So if you don't have a, a, a complete human body, you don't have a complete uh, human soul, you don't have a complete human nature. So what Apollinaris basically was saying was, okay, well, Jesus didn't need a human soul because he already had the, the divine nature because his right. person, Jesus wasn't a human person because his person comes from the fact he's the second person of the Trinity. So that's part of his divine nature. But, but he assumed a human nature, well, again, without losing anything of his divinity by uniting himself to human nature. So so he would say, well, he didn't need to have a, a human soul because that human soul was replaced by the logos, right? The, the word, the, the Greek, the, the, word. The, the, word, the, the. the word replaced. So there was no need for a human soul. Again, he wasn't trying to deliberately promote heresy. He's just trying to understand. Well, sure. look, I mean, he did, look, well, why would Jesus need a human soul? I mean, he's God. You know, right, he's right. existed from all eternity as the word. So if he's the he knows, word, he doesn't he need a soul. created
1: everything, so yeah, he doesn't so. need intellect. It's not like he's gonna grow
0: because Remember, because God has intellect and will as well, and, and that's mm-hmm. divine nature, so that subsumed or, or took the place of a human. So, I mean, when you think about it like that, oh, I see where he was, at least what he was thinking about. Again, not trying to right. deliberately confuse people, but he's just trying to understand. And make sense of what he already believed that yes, these two natures were united, but the soul piece he was trying to 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 deal with that. So Jesus had no human soul, but the problem is, if you say that, that means he can't have a complete human nature. That means he wasn't completely
1: human. So that's a problem. Kind of like Jesus was the the body was just like a vessel in which God had his own intellect and will is that kind of what he's saying pretty much
0: yeah that that the human okay. soul was assumed by the logos mm-hmm. uh, by by the by the divine intellect and will of the second person of the trinity so that means he's basically not one of us he didn't phrase it he, he wasn't going in that direction but that's what it, that's what it ends up being if you deny the human soul sure you know? so and, and that's uh and so um this one was responded to by St. Gregory of Nazianzus, one of the what's called the Cappadocian Fathers. Sure. So um, with Basil, Basil the, Great, the Great, Gregory of Nyssa, and yeah. Gregory Nancy and the are the Cappadocian Fathers. And these were the ones that really helped develop the church's Trinitarian theology, those three in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but it was Gregory of Nazianzus who really went after Apollinarius <laughs> with regard to, to this uh, heresy. Um, because, you know, because if he doesn't have a human soul, then, um, then he's subhuman, which puts him down in an animal, animal nature. Right. You know, it's like, oh, right. Oh, what? now see, this is, I mean, I love this because the church is going back and forth, just trying to understand and debate and, you know, as things come up and you know, oh, okay, wait, let's step back and take a look at this rationally. Let's look logically. How, how does, you know, what does faith say? How, you know, how does this all work? Um, and I love that conversation back and forth. Um, and again, if this imagine that, can this happening today? You know, someone would probably say, "Oh, you offended me. Where's my safe space? You know, <laughs> you you, you right. don't like my idea. You know, uh, you didn't give me a like on Facebook or whatever. Come on,
1: <laughs> you know. Um, we this would be, this stop. is where uh, cancel culture would come in, right?
0: Right. You know, we could okay. to stop stop feeling all the time and start thinking. So this is what I love about this this, this the rigor of these arguments because it's um, you know uh, it's it's the working through these arguments that ultimately help to deepen and strengthen our our faith and our belief uh, in Christ. Um, so uh, I love it. This is this is good stuff.
1: No, this is good stuff. And the idea that that um, he gives us um, is kind of what we would consider the the second axiom of orthodoxy uh and it's this idea that what has not been assumed has not been healed so in other words if christ did not assume a fully human person then the fully human person cannot be cannot be healed you know the the nature the fully human nature of uh, a body soul and of body and soul, which includes intellect and will. If God only, if Jesus only assumed one of those parts, then the other part was not healed. And of course, it's not our bodies that sin, but it's our it's it's our human nature that's broken, and it's our human nature that needs to be restored. So, um, so we need we need Christ to be fully human as well as fully divine in order to heal us.
0: Yeah. And, and this is where uh, we get the idea of what's called the hypostatic union. And that's just language that basically says this. Um, so Christ has his person who comes from the fact he's the second person, of the Trinity, and he has a divine nature. Therefore has divine intellect and divine will. And that was united to a human nature. They had a body, which is given to him by Blessed Virgin Mary, and a soul, uh, and, and then, which also has intellect and will. Human intellect and human will. And uh, so there's uh, one hypostasis in two usia. So one, so one uh, person in, in two natures. Uh, and in the Trinity, there's three persons in one nature. Right. So,
1: what? I
0: know. Again, it's like a little little intellectual workout here.
1: I was not informed that there would be math.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so so basically, on that it's one nature, right? So so uh, right. one God and three persons: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, and then the second person of the Trinity became united with the human nature in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and mm-hmm. and became uh, a human being um, with uh, with a body. And, and with a soul, therefore, with a human intellect and a human will. And so we we, we see this will in action um, when he says, I have not come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Mm-hmm. You see, now, if he only had one will, that was from God, the father, the second person of the treaty, that would make no sense what he just said there. Correct. That would make absolutely no sense. And so, so we see... Uh, throughout the scriptures, this human will and intellect of 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 God, uh, of of Christ, working, working, right, and cooperating with the Father's will, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and 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 carrying out the Father's plan for for saving humanity.
1: And obviously, we see this both at the beginning and at the end of the life of Christ. So, at the beginning of the life of Christ, for example, it we learn uh, after he was found in the temple at the age of twelve. It says that he went home and he was obedient to them, meaning Jesus went home and he was obedient to Joseph and Mary, and he grew in wisdom and in, and in uh, grace and favor before God and man, it says. So if he grew in wisdom, then that implies that there is room for growth in intellect, and that must take place in his human, in his human nature here. And then at the end of his life, we see in the garden at at Gethsemane when he says, Father, let this cup pass me by, but not my will, but yours be done. Am I, right. am I am i right or wrong there i want no, to make sure because no, I, no, I do not want to uh, spout heresy if i can avoid <laughs> it. I so this we,
0: so this is interesting discussion and it says okay then how do we reconcile things for example jesus is god so he knows the nature of things mm-hmm. um but but he's not limited but the the, the human nature part of it uh um you know, um, he's that that still has to grow. So, how do you grow when you're God? For example, right. if Jesus saw a rock, he would know the very nature of the rock itself. But in order to see how many rocks there are in a stream, he'd have to count them. <laughs> you see? Okay. Okay. And, sure. And, and so, and so, when Jesus dealt with people, for example, he knew what people were thinking. He knew the nature he, he could he knew people's hearts because he knew the very nature of that person but he still had to do some work in order to 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 either tell them a parable or to lay hands on them or to he had to do something you know to to still interact with them um so that they could so that his human heart could unite with their heart. You you see yeah. what I mean?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And this would also maybe Well, before I go any further down this line, I want to say, these questions are not going to be settled at any point, right? Because we still really won't understand this side of heaven. Right. We have to admit that, right?
0: Right. Exactly. Um,
1: Because like we can read, you know, there's the story of the, of the healing of the blind man when he, when um, he uh, spit and he put spit on the guy's eyes and he says, well, what do you see? And the guy says, well, I, I see things that look like trees and he did it again. And, you know, and Jesus did a second round of healing and then all of a sudden the guy could see. And so you wonder, well, if he's God, why wasn't, why was the first healing not effective, you know? Right. And yet he's working through the medium of created things and and i mean honestly i don't know the answer to to this i mean and i i don't know what uh what scripture scholars and and theologians have have said as full of reflection on this particular story it's thoroughly confusing but it's also one of those you know it's one of those mysteries that it doesn't put a stumbling block in my understanding and my appreciation of christ as god it's just a puzzlement i don't know
0: right or even when Jesus says, um, you know, um, about when the, when the end's going to come, he said, you know, no one knows, uh, the, the, even the son doesn't know, only the father. You know, wait a minute, if right. he's God, he should know when the end of the world is coming, right? Right, So, right. Of, of course, as God, he knows, but yet um, in his human nature, in, in this hypostatic union, um the things that were, remember, he said he revealed. He he has, he said everything that was revealed to him by the Father. Well, the Father did not reveal when the end of the world was going to happen, mm-hmm. because that wasn't necessary for their salvation. Because right. remember, in many of Paul's letters, he's assuming Jesus is coming back soon. He he's right. Like, Prepare, right. get ready now. Jesus is coming back as if it were going to happen in their lifetime. You know, yeah. and we're st- of course we're still waiting. So we still have to be prepared to always meet Christ. And have to always have that uh, that intimate life-giving union with him.
1: I, you know, this w- makes me want to ask, Deacon, because it's a phrase you've used a couple times during our conversation, that there being no confusion or mixture or... Yeah,
0: confusion, change, separation, of division. It's called the four negative adverbs Okay, in, in so describing the hypostatic union. Me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So there's
0: no confusion. So, so for example, um, I'm sitting here talking to you, Ken, as Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time... I am the husband of Colleen. I'm the father of Claire, Angela, Benjamin, and Sophia. And I'm the son of uh, Harold and Eleanor Sivers. But you... I, I'm not confused because I'm all those things at the same time. You sure. know, I'm, there's not any confusion. So I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I'm I'm, f- I'm trying not to let my fatherhood of come out when I'm talking to Ken because th- th- there's no confusion there. And there's okay. also no change. I can be all those things and then nothing about me changes. Um, there's also no separation or division within myself. So it's, you know, a, a division, I guess, would be something like a um, uh, psychological thing. Like, I don't know, like... Um, uh, multiple personality disorder, schizophrenia, or something like that, where there's actually a okay. mental break, or sure. or multiple personality, where there's like you know two or three different personalities within one person, kind of thing. That's not what's going on here, you know. um So Jesus united these nations without any, again, the example using myself as an example is obviously all examples like this fail because you're talking about eternal divine realities. Even when we get to heaven, we probably won't even fully understand it because we're limited as human beings to understand. I mean, you know, there's there's more of a difference between, you know, us and and, and, an ant than between, you know, uh, between God and us and between us and an ant. I mean, you know, God is so far beyond anything we can even imagine imagine um but yet he still loves us to want to reveal himself to us you know and he does that through through his son who took on that human nature so that he could die you know so, so that god could die and sometimes right. i still have, i try to wrap my head around that yeah you know, yeah. That, that god died you could you could actually say wait wait how could god die because he's god but yet that's exactly why he took on that human nature so that he could die why because death was the worst uh, effect of original sin being cut off from God's life. And if that didn't happen, all of us would be condemned. Um yeah. so Jesus had because remember, we broke all the previous covenants. We broke all of them. God set up something we broke it. God set up something we broke it all the way back to Adam and Eve. Um so in this covenant with Christ, his death, his death conquered death. You see, so so when we follow God's example that He gave us in His Son, we too can also conquer death, because we're following in the footsteps of the one who picked up His cross. Amen. You remember He said, "Pick up His cross and follow Me." But where mm-hmm. is the ultimate leading to? Heaven, not right. just the cross. It's leading to heaven, which is the ultimate place where we want to spend life forever with God. You know, so all of this is pointing us
1: toward heaven. I love, it. and I want it. I mean, right? That's ultimately, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the thing that affects our, our daily life is even the greatest joys we can have here are tinged with, yeah, but there's got to be something more. And that's ultimately what Christ offers us. See, and this is, is the, the thing, and,
0: and, and that's why we have to listen to the church. You know, the church is protected by the Holy Spirit in matters of faith and morals, and the church is always gonna tell us the truth. So even today, we still have priests and bishops who are teaching things that are not in line with the church. And so instead of getting confused, all we have to do is listen to the church. What does the catechism say? You know, mm-hmm. what, 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 mm-hmm. is the, what do these councils say? You know, what is the rich tradition and history that have passed on to us for 2,000 years? Um, that's what we have to follow. Uh, and not get wrapped up in all the uh, all the confusion that's happening even again as it was in the early church so is today you know where yeah. you have p- clergy in the church uh, leading people into confusion but as usual we're now out of time and it's just amazing how this ha- we get, we get I, I feel like okay we're getting into it now and bam we have to <laughs> stop but how can people stay in contact with us till next time?
1: Well it's pretty easy actually you can go to Living Stones media on uh, Facebook. You can go to at Catholic Stones on Twitter. You know, we don't have a lot of Twitter followers, but uh, if you follow us on, on Catholic Stones uh, on Twitter, we are going to start tweeting more often because uh, my goal is to get us uh, one of those sidekicks, an intern. That's what I, that's my goal for the next year is to get a Living Stones <laughs> intern. But you can all also right. find us uh, at livingstonesmedia.org, and you can download all the previous episodes of the show at com. But Deacon, until we get the intern and until we gather together again <laughs> next week, might we uh, might we ask a blessing? Sure. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stone. Been listening to
0: Living Stones with Ken Helanius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I-Radio.com.